Truth Welcome Talks. back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. With me today, in the middle of the ending, I would imagine, of the coronavirus outbreak is the unmasked <laughs> pastor. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Pastor Matt White. Uh, how you doing today, sir? I am glad I'm not masked. <laughs> That's one thing that I don't think I'm ever going to get used to. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have to wear it at different times, but every time I put one of those things on, I'm like, this is just not natural. Did you see the the video of the lady that actually cut a hole from her nose down to her chin in the mask? I was like, you know what? It's not a bad idea. Uh, (laughs) She said, and then she said, you know, I I just couldn't breathe. So (laughs) I just got a hole in it and now it works fine. (laughs) I was like, yep, absolutely works fine. Protecting her cheekbones from coronavirus. I go into a store and as soon as I hit that door seal, I'm just ripping that mask off because I just, uh, it's, yeah, well, this is a a weird and, and, a weird time we're in, but hopefully and thankfully we're halfway through the end. Yeah. So that uh, at least we can get away from having to do that. I, I'm enjoying being outdoors, though. I will yep. say that because, you know, that's what we're allowed to do now. So anyway, I did want to start off with one particular question. And you just finished <clears throat> uh, a series um, in our Wednesday night Bible study having to do with last week, having to do with um, just, you know, being a parent and, and parenting. Mm. Uh, I, I do want to ask one question that is a, um, I would say a, not a foundational, but more like a, uh, uh, yeah, I, I would say it would be foundational question, mm-hmm. um, a fundamental question, I would say. I want to know, um, with all that you have given us, um, you know, in, in the study and, and, and taught us, as a person, and this is even just, this is my situation where, mm-hmm. you know, I have an older uh, child who's married out of the house in their 20s. I have an 18-year-old, mm-hmm. and then I have two smaller ones that I kind of feel like I, I still have a little bit of time with. Yeah, um, yeah. People in those situations, you know, seeing that you went from, you know, birth, basically their birth, and you taught that um, the whole parenting uh, process begins at their birth and ends in our death. Mm -hmm. Um, Since we are past that point of their birth, Mm -hmm. uh, what would you give to uh, some of the older parents that have had some time in, that have done a lot of things wrong, and not necessarily from comparing it to what you taught in the class, but just, you know, as we're maturing and and getting... uh, you know, a lot more education on how to do it the correct way. Yeah. Uh, we have made a lot of mistakes. Sure. So what is it that we can do to either uh, correct some of those mistakes and or um, go from here yep. to make this uh, a good situation Absolutely. or a better situation for us, I would say? That's a great question. Yeah. Honestly, that is that is uh, that is probably one of the most practical as well as uh um, helpful questions after a study like that or within a study like that, because I think that hits people right where life is. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, it's one thing if you can, if we could all start, you know, from ground zero and say, okay, right. Especially with yeah. the information that we have, yeah, start from ground zero, yeah. even though I don't want to change any diapers, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, you know, I have grandchildren that are coming, you know, yeah. so it's like, okay, at least we can help in that, yeah. in that but, arena. But, but you're, but, but reality is that's not right. right. You still, 
And we and and in many ways. So I would answer it a couple ways. One, I would encourage you along and and anybody that's thinking along these lines uh, that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You're not alone in the fact that every parent who is faithful and faithful being not only uh, following God's word, but faithful to admit their own shortcomings, mm-hmm. as I just preached about, right? Who's sufficient for this task of anything we do for the Lord? We're inadequate, we're unable apart from his grace, and we fail, we sin all the time in the sense of we're, we. Who, what parent is going to stand up and say, I've done it all right? right. None are. So, so in that sense, you're not alone. That is the cry of every parent mm-hmm. that looks back and goes, ah, I wish I could have that back, mm-hmm. right? So that is reality, and part of that is the nature of being a fallen person living mm-hmm. in a fallen world, mm-hmm. right? We're, I mean, I, I have that perspective about a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? And it's also part of the byproduct of maturing, because as you mature, you're able to evaluate more clearly now the past, and you go... Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have shouldn't have went there, you know, and mm-hmm. and that's just part of maturing so that not so that you crucify yourself from what you did in the past, but that you protect yourself going forward in the future, mm-hmm. right? And so I would encourage you to say you're not alone. That's very common. It's very normal. And uh so be encouraged by that. And then also know that um as you it's never about going back and fixing what is already done. You can't do that unless we're talking repentance and reconciliation and those things. Absolutely, the Bible commands that. But I can't go back and undo, you know, what I did when my children were five, six, seven, or whatever, and now they're 25, right? Mm-hmm. That's just illogical thinking. So it's always about going forward. And I think you need to look back with with uh, gratitude for how the Lord has matured you and and given you truth now to see, okay, I don't, I can't do that, and I and if I had it all to do over again, I wouldn't do that. But you have to also look forward with grace, and this is huge, knowing that God is gracious, God is merciful, and despite our own sin and shortcomings, God's plan is going to go forward no matter mm-hmm. what. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, I'm not talking about fatalism where you just throw your hands up and say, let go and let God, right? Mm-hmm. Just let it happen. Whatever's going to be, it's going to be. Not at all. That's unbiblical, ungodly, and sinful because mm-hmm. we're commanded to be responsible and act. But we also have to deal with our own failures. We have to deal with our own sin, our own inadequacies, our own, um, for lack of better words, our own fail failure. Mm-hmm. And so the way we deal with that is not by focusing on ourselves, the way we deal with that is focusing on the grace of God who says, you know what? Yeah, I didn't do that right. I'm not, I'm not God's gift to parenting or, or pastoral ministry for me. I mean, I deal with this all the time when I look back and go, man, I didn't do that right. Or I didn't preach that sermon. Like if, if I, that's all I do, I'm done. Because ultimately what I'm really doing is being prideful. Because then I'm looking back and saying, well, it's about me. No, it's not about me, right? It's about God. And so, yes, I acknowledge and humble and repent and do what I need to do. And I move forward, trusting the Lord to keep growing me and keep using me however he's going to do it as I mature and learn the better ways to do things, better things to say and better way in this context to parent. So I think you have to cast yourself on the mercy of God, which is what we do every day, and say, Lord, help. Lord, I, I admit that this wasn't right. We have this older child 
um, and we need your help. And we uh, acknowledge that we failed in the past because we didn't know and we weren't taught and we weren't trained. And now we're starting to mature and we see it. And so, Father, we're trusting you to do your work in the life of that child while we now become more responsible and more faithful to what you've called us to do. Mm-hmm. And that's the way you move forward and you leave it to the Lord, right? It's uh, you, That's the way we have to live. You can't live second-guessing yourself and constantly re, re, uh, inventing yourself. Mm-hmm. It would be just totally frustrating, uh, fruitless, and prideful because you're focusing on self and even on the child. And I made this a big point in the parenting class that you have to be careful parents do myself first and foremost that you don't become so child-centered right life isn't child-centered though most of us live that way where it's all about the child what they think how they feel what they want where they're going even our even our uh, desire for the salvation of our children um, can become idolatry to where everything i do everything i say is to somehow manipulate my child to accept Christ. That's what I mean by that. Not praying and doing right things for their salvation, but where I'm so focused, I'm so fear-driven. I'm so worried about their salvation. That's child-centered life. That's that's idolatry. That's hard idolatry. That's unbiblical. Mm-hmm. God calls us to be God-centered. And, and so when we're dealing with failure and frustration, it's hard. It's reality. But the answer is the same. Repent, Ask for forgiveness with your child if, if that needs to be done, right? If you're dealing with an older child and there were things in the past that need to be reconciled, then deal with that and do what the Bible says. Just mm-hmm. follow the Bible. It mm-hmm. says ask for forgiveness if there was sin. Uh, reconcile if there's brokenness. Do those things that the Bible commands and then trust him. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because he he's, he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's sovereign. He can work yeah. despite our failures. Mm-hmm. And that is proven throughout the scriptures time and time and time again, despite man, right? God works. I mean, look at Moses, look at David, (laughs) look at Paul, look Mm -hmm. at Peter, right? Despite all of the failures of man, God's plan never stops. And uh, so it will be with us and our children. There are consequences to our sin. There are consequences to our laziness and all those things. And God uh, generally doesn't take those away. They they carry with us because that's kind of a, a, a maturing um, ox goad, if you will, mm-hmm. to uh, drive us forward. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the blessings of consequences and why he doesn't take them away because it provokes us to our knees. So I think that has to be the response, mm-hmm. one of focusing on grace, the grace of God, despite my failures. Well, there's also a conviction too, I would say, um, from... Uh, okay, let me, let me give you an example. So you were in the in the parenting class you would give like an illustration Mm -hmm. and it would be an illustration of where you uh for example the books you say well this is a book that we use and you know Mm -hmm. i I would definitely recommend and you know so i'm like okay so i think that we've bought probably all of the books (laughs) off of amazon that you've recommended um the biggest one that i just got was the abcs of the reformation oh yeah and then we did the uh I did the full Heidelberg Catechism. I have it on my iPad, but yeah. Beverly's like, well, let's get the, 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 the book. Yeah. So I have both of those, and it's like you were, like, it was that conviction where it's like, yeah, you know, um, the other week when you're like, you know, when you sit down to eat, you know, you don't, don't eat anything, you teach, and yeah. then you can eat later. And I was like, you know what? 
usually I have that time where I'm like, kind of like, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll do a little something, make, you know, maybe one of the catechisms was like, why not just take that time to like actually sit there and do it? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, well, I'm the one that eats the fastest because I'm, I'm the only guy at the table. Yeah. Everybody else eats really slow, bite by bite, and mm-hmm. chews every single bite. Mm-hmm. Why not you do that by the time you're finished talking? Everybody else will be, you know, kind of rounding, you know, rounding up, and you can just eat real fast. I'm like, yeah. it just makes sense. But also, we were just trying, kind of struggling with a time because we wanted to have like everybody at the table, yeah, and everybody, you know, participating in the family devotions. But it's kind of hard to do that. Very hard. You got a teenager that works, you know, Beverly works some evenings, yeah, um, you know, and the 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 greatest common denominator is I'm at the table with my two youngest. Yep. So I should be able to at least do something with them too. And then when everybody else is around, we could do that. But it's mm-hmm. kind of like at this point in our life, it's like do it when you can. That's it. But don't not do it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do something. Do it when you can and do what you can. Yeah. Right. And I talked about this, right? You, you got to have a plan or, no, or else nothing will happen. You got to shoot or you'll never hit anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And you got to aim. So you got to have direction. You got to have plan. You got to have foresight, all those things. But you also have to have flexibility because mm. legalism is is a is a is a DNA chain all of us are born with, mm-hmm. right? And we can turn anything good into a legalistic idol, yeah. right? For the for the for the bad, right? Where we're beating ourselves up or we're comparing ourselves with others, and you never want to do that. And so flexibility is the key, and raising the ch- the child up in the way he or she should go. And that is huge, and that demands some flexibility, especially as children. Like my house is similar to yours. I've got older teenage daughters and boys that are young, right? Mm-hmm. And so everybody's on a different platform, mm-hmm. work, and so it's it's not common where we have everybody together now. But when we do, I try to take advantage of it, mm-hmm. and we try to do other times when we gather together, and we've, you know, we just try things for a while, and it works. And then it doesn't work anymore. And then we do something else. The key is what works. And in our family, it's just a revolving door on so many levels because somebody's always coming and going in school and homeschool and partial homeschool. And it's just, it's just nonstop, including mm-hmm. my, my, my life. But we try to break out certain times to do those things. And we do it with flexibility. And yeah. that's the key. We make it fun, right? You mm-hmm. make it fun. Don't make it, don't make it arduous. Fun in the sense of I don't try to be silly I'm not meaning that we don't do like coloring pages for the kids and that when I say fun, I'm saying it's just part of our life. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by that. So fun's probably not a good description, but meaning I'm interactive. Yeah. It's interactive. It's natural. That's the better, that's the Mm -hmm. better word. It's natural. So whatever's natural and it, and it fits and it works. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's uh, family time, worship, family worship, Bible devotion, whatever you call it, Bible time, it's just part of an overflow of who we are, mm-hmm. right? This is what we do. Mm-hmm. This is who we are. We talk about the Bible. We talk about Scripture whenever we're together at some point um, to my children's own um, irritation at times. But, I mean, that's just the way it is, mm-hmm. right? And and in their own way, they love that. They understand that. They know there's a consistency there that Dad's going to talk about the Bible. Yeah. Dad's going to talk about theology. Dad's going to ask me some questions. Right. And that's, that's good. Five, mm-hmm. 10 minutes. And, and then we, you know, let the kids talk and then I end up turning all their conversations to a question about, yeah. you know, and that's how you do it. Yeah. Right. And so, so the key is 
back to your original question, which is a good one, is you have to move forward by grace, and you have to trust in the grace of God, and you have to be faithful. The answer is the same for everyone, meaning you just have to trust the Lord. You have to do what he's called us to do in the scriptures, and then you have to lean on his grace. Because that's all that parenting is in the end of the day. It's the grace of God that any of us accomplish anything that God has called us to because we're inadequate. We're sinful. Mm-hmm. We're sinners raising sinners. How do we not end up with even worse sinners, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's the grace of God. There's no other explanation for it. And so anything that happens will not be because I spent devotional time with my kids or I read the Bible or I or I memorized scripture or catechized them. All of that is good and true and we should do in different ways. But if anything good happens, it will be because God has been gracious mm-hmm. to take what I just preached a minute ago, my meager offerings, right. and he has penetrated their heart. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with my offering because that's an impossibility. Yeah, I can't penetrate a dead heart. Mm-hmm. Right, but I know God's way for penetrating a dead heart is to take the Word through the Spirit, and so I'll I'll be that conduit because that's what I'm commanded. But if He doesn't penetrate the heart, that's between that person and God, not yeah. me. Yeah, that's good. I, speaking of uh, penetrating the heart or, or trying to at least sow some seed, uh, we were me and the little ones. Uh, Beverly was at work. My oldest was at work. So we're sitting out uh, just. You know, just on the front porch, just hanging out, and um, it you know it's warm now, yeah. a little warmer. So I pull out. I have this uh, this bug zapper, this you know the hanging yeah. one that you yeah. know the bugs fly into. So I was like, let me pull this out. So I pull it out, and like there are flies. I mean, flying toward that at like a rapid pace, like zzz, zzz, and then it's like because like they can't get out. They're trying to fly away. That you know just getting electrocuted. So. Um, we're talking, we're just sitting there talking and, you know, <laughs> Lucy looks over to me. She's like, so, <laughs> and she starts asking questions. So I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll, no, no problem answering questions. And so, uh, I looked up at the light and I was like, you know, she's, they're like, why are the bugs so attracted to that? There you go. And I was like, you know, it's a great question. It's, 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 it's the in. light and you know, and everything. Looks- but you know what? It looks so appealing, but that's exactly how sin works. Amen. There you it go. Pulls you in, that's and it. you're like so attracted to it. And by the time, and it's like, do you notice that like around that, the light, uh, there's a light, and then around that is where they get electrocuted. Yep. It's like they don't see that electrocution. They don't nope. see that death. All they see is the light. That's it. And I was, and so I just started, just like, well, here you go. And they're like, oh, that's Deuteronomy six. Yeah. So you literally just took. What Moses said to do in Deuteronomy 6, and you did it mm-hmm. as you go. Take life, every life opportunity, and turn it to a teaching opportunity to point your children to their need for the Lord. How awesome. Not You can't do it all, right? So you can't sit there and then spend the next five hours explaining, well, let me tell you about Christ. Let me tell you about God. Let me you mm-hmm. go through every doctrinal point, right? right? But you sowed the seed in mm-hmm. that moment. The heart was open, the eyes were clear, and you're like, let me talk to you about sin. You got five minutes or ten minutes, however long it is, and then the eyes go glazed over again. Mm-hmm. And you're done till the next time. Well, I saw I didn't really see the glaze uh of them, but I, I see I see it in my boys all the time. Usually <laughs> it's about three minutes. But <laughs> But as I started talking, I started being uh, I started I was I started to become convicted as well. Yeah. Because I'm like yeah, sin looks really good until you get too close to it and you think that you can get as close as possible. 
without you know actually i was like but that all leads to death and i went through james one with them and you know kind of you know how that progression goes and i was like this is extremely convicting for me yep you know just to kind of see that illustration you know that's why every parent needs to teach their kids because it's a sanctifying factor yeah it it forces you because any faithful parent will know that, that that you can't really teach or demand that which you're not doing, mm-hmm. right? Because the conviction of the Holy Spirit will just ride you. Yeah. And so when that comes on, you're like, oh, I got to deal with this. Yeah. I'm spanking them or disciplining them for sins that I have in my life. How dare I? Right. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the that's the uh, that's the definition of hypocrisy. Yeah. So it's parenting is so purifying. Yeah. That, so. that definitely uh, convicted me, and uh, this actually leads us to uh, the next question that I had or the next topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, As I go through, you know, scripture and and learn more about scripture, I began to uh, realize that I am not mature, that I'm not as I want to be. Like I want to be a lot more mature and not just in the manner of, um, spiritually mature but also just you know as a man Mm -hmm. um so i wanted to kind of get some um i would say some 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 guidance in that route Mm -hmm. on how to mature Mm -hmm. um not just in the faith but also as a man yeah and um you know kind of where you would go you know wherever you could take that conversation you know it's completely fine but i will have some obviously some follow-up questions or whatever No, that's a great question, buddy. I think, uh, honestly, I think that should be the question of all of our hearts. Mm-hmm. So there's a side to that question that is uh, that is universally uh, connected, meaning that should be the cry of every man who's a believer. That should be the cry of his heart till the grave, mm-hmm. right? That's Paul, and you know, you didn't articulate it this way, but foundational to what you're asking is Philippians three where Paul is saying, what does he say? He doesn't use the word mature, but he says, I have not attained. What does that mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not what I want to be yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not there. What does he say in Romans 7? I'm not, I'm not the man I want to be. The things I do, I don't do. Things I want to do, I don't do, and vice versa. And so there's a reality. We see this lived out um, throughout the scriptures and commanded. we're commanded to pursue maturity in using that synonymously with godliness. We're commanded to pursue that. We're commanded in Second uh, Peter three eighteen to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. That is the essence of maturity, mm-hmm. spiritual maturity. Ephesians uh, four is literally the purpose of the church and the calling for all believers is to what? Literally to be mature, and that's what it literally uses that word mature in the sense of to grow up into the full measure and stature of Christ, Mm -hmm. right? That's what we exist for. That's what we were saved for. That's what the church exists for, to help one another grow. So um, the desire is not only good, it's it's part and parcel of what it means to be a believer. Mm -hmm. If you're claimed to be a believer and you have no desire to mature, I have no reason to think you're a believer, right? Mm -hmm. It'd be one thing to, you you know, get into a, a... uh, a, a sin pattern of laziness, lethargy, apathy, that happens, right? I'm not talking about that. Sadly, that's reality for many. I'm talking about you You just, you got your ticket to heaven and you're good. Like, I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need any more. I'm, 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 I'm in a good place. I, I, those people, and there are many that live like that, 
who literally will say, you know what, pastor, I'm, I'm, where I'm at, I'm good. I don't see any need to go any further. Out of, man, there, I look at that and say, how can, how can you be a believer? I don't know if you are or not. I'm not making that judgment call. God, God knows the heart. I'm just showing you scripture mm-hmm. and I could turn to a thousand passages that say, that's not the cry of the, of the men of God in the Bible. The cry of the men of God in the Bible are always, Lord, I need more. Lord, I want more. Lord, I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Lord, help me. You know, I mean, this is what you see in all the prophets and all the godly men, right? And uh, because they're all sinners and they're all struggling. And yet the spirit of God within the godly man is constantly pushing him mm-hmm. in that direction. Mm-hmm. That's that's where that desire comes from. It doesn't come from you mm-hmm. and it doesn't come from me because we're sinners left to our own devices. We desire laziness, lethargy, selfishness, all of the childishness. That's just who we are naturally, right? But the Spirit of God within us is striving within us for Christ, right? And that moves us, and Mm -hmm. that's that desire we have and that hunger and Mm -hmm. thirst for more. And so that should be there, and so that's not a negative. The evaluation of self that says, yeah, you know, I'm not not where I should be, I'm not where I want to be, that's good. I mean, you can't. You can't be uh, a maturing man without that desire. Romans 12 is a really good verse. Romans 12, I think it's verse 3. It says, uh, it's a command, to have sober judgment about yourself, hmm. right? It means to look at yourself clearly and correctly, right? And uh, and that's not easy to do for most men. And that means don't have a hypercritical view of yourself, mm-hmm. meaning false humility, woe is me, I'm blah, blah, blah. You know, I can't do this, can't do that. That's prideful. That's sinful. But to have an honest view and say, man, I'm, I'm struggling in this area and this area. I need help. And I don't want to. I want to grow in that. That's, that's having a sober judgment, a clear mm-hmm. thought. Okay, I can do this, but I can't do this. I mean, we should constantly be having that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's good. And we should have uh, men around us who help us with that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what uh, exhorting one another. That's what First Thessalonians 5 is all about. Encourage the faint-hearted, confront the 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 ones who aren't working and uh, encourage those who are who are uh, exhort those who are lazy like we're constantly doing that mm-hmm. in the church and right. we should be mm-hmm. right which is all driven towards that point so I think the desire has to be there and that the desire is there is um, could be and I'll and I'll preface it this way could be and should be a demonstration of maturity mm-hmm. right so um, what does Proverbs say over and over again right pride Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall, right? right? Mm-hmm. What does 1 Corinthians 10 say, right? That let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall, yeah. right? What does Galatians 6, 1 say? You who are spiritual, mm-hmm. restore the one snared into temptation, right? The one who's caught into sin. Mm-hmm. The spiritual ones, which is speaking of maturity, right? The mature ones, you go and rescue that person and help him come back and yet do it wisely watching yourself that you don't fall into temptation right, right? Mm-hmm. and so so my point is um it, it it very well could be the sign of the broken heart but my my fear sometimes with people is that it could be a sign of a prideful heart mm-hmm. right because if there's conviction of sin and a person is unwilling to repent of that and kill that and deal with it biblically mm-hmm. with which is admission confession repentance reconciliation all of those things that the Bible commands us to do, um, all they're doing is searing their conscience and covering their conviction mm. by just faking it. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I believe we are so deceived by our sin that there are times we don't even know that that's where we are because we've trained ourselves to do that, mm-hmm. right? Even as children or teenagers, woe is me. You know, they're convicted because they failed, whether it's a test, whether it's a, um, uh, a job thing or whatever. They failed because they were lazy. They didn't prepare. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. They, they, got, they lost a job or whatever. Well, then it's all like, I can't do anything right. You know, it's all false. Wait a minute. Wait a minute! You didn't you didn't do what you were told to do. Right. You didn't study. You didn't. So now, listen. You did fail, and it's your fault, mm-hmm. right? And so that's where back to that parenting thing. You got to be wise, or even that sober judgment. You got to look at yourself and go, "Why am I down about this? Mm-hmm. Is it because I'm looking for people to come alongside me and put their arm around me and say?" Hey, buddy. Hey, Matt. You, man, I'm so thankful for you. No, no, no. You're doing good. Trying to, that's right. that's called self pity. Mm-hmm. You know, that's called the um, the uh, consoling heart, the one who wants solace, the mm-hmm. one who's longing for the praise of men, the fear mm-hmm. of man. That's all driven. That's pride. That's that's a scary place to be. So I that's why I preface it and say that desire um, very likely is good, should be there, but it could be sinful in that. If it's driven by unconfessed sin that you know about but you're unwilling to deal with, that is sin. Mm-hmm. That is sin looking to cover up my conviction with others telling me something false about me because they don't really know me, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't know that sin, so it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just given a, an inaccurate view of me because if they really knew who I was, they wouldn't say that. And that's the dilemma that you have to be careful. And that's what the godly mature man does is what he does hard hard hermeneutics he's constantly evaluating himself he's constantly reading his heart he's constantly looking right psalm 139 search me O lord and see if there be any wicked way in me like he's an open book before the lord he's like help me lord and so and an open book before others rightfully so and Mm -hmm. that's important and uh, i do have a question though yeah because what you're saying is like so this person that would say, well, you know, I woe is me and everything like that. They're looking for the, like, literally people say, oh, no, 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 you're fine. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yes. Okay. So they're looking for, they're looking for, uh, here you go, put it really succinctly and biblically. They're looking for the praise of men rather than the purification from God. Mm-hmm. Rather than dealing with the sin, and that's why they're convicted. And I'm just, again, I'm saying that could be. We are so deceitful and our hearts are so twisted that we can take biblical conviction and turn it around and go in search of men outside of me to mm-hmm. essentially cover my heart, to mm-hmm. propitiate me, to basically be God and say, I'm okay, mm-hmm. rather than running to God, who's the only one that knows our hearts and the only one who can cleanse, First John 1, 9, who can cleanse our heart of all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. And we should run to God and say, Lord... You know my heart. I know my heart. You know where I've been. I have not been doing that. I, I, Lord, help me. I confess. Repent of that. Start doing right. That's what biblical repentance ultimately leads to. If it's not, if you, if it's not, you haven't repented, and then move forward. And absolutely, and the cleansing and the confidence and the clear conscience that comes from that will be encouraging. And then move forward with the pursuit of maturity, so that mm-hmm. you fight that habit, whatever whatever it was that got you there. You kill it. You uh, eviscerate it by God's grace through His Spirit, and you keep fighting it, and then you grow. So that's huge. So I think you have to you have to wrestle with it rightfully mm-hmm. and evaluate it rightfully. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, that's helpful. I would also say um, that 
that desire for maturity is it so if that's not the case if it's not uh driven by conviction of sin that i won't deal with Mm -hmm. but it actually is driven by a heart that is longing for that which it doesn't have that the bible is clear that is what pleases the lord Mm -hmm. so while it's very true and real that none of us are the full mature man. We will never be that until we're in heaven. Mm-hmm. We are maturing, right? Mm-hmm. That's the right way to say it. it's an it's a progressive, active, ongoing reality. Mm-hmm. It's like humility. No, none of us are humble, mm-hmm. but I'm growing in humility, right? right? That's it's so it's that reality in our sanctification. And so, so but when you read scripture, without question. Old Testament, New Testament, incessant. What pleases the Lord? Who is the man that pleases the Lord or woman? The one with the broken and contrite heart. Mm-hmm. That is repeated over and over and over again. Psalm 51, Isaiah 66, to the reality is this is the man. First Samuel 15, 22. I mean, this is the man that pleases me. This is the woman that I desire uh, the child, the son, the daughter, the the one who I want is not burnt offerings and sacrifices. The sacrifice, Psalm 51, the sacrifices that you desire, Lord, are a broken and contrite spirit, mm-hmm. right? That's what it means. He's near to the brokenhearted, right? This is exactly what uh, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Uh, everyone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, they will be satisfied. Those who are broken, right? Broken over their sin. They mourn. Notice that. They mourn over their sin. This is the true believer. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is saying. Mm-hmm. They will be what? Comforted, yeah. right? It's those people who are like, Lord, Lord, I, I want more. I need more. I'm, I'm not content with where I'm at, and I shouldn't be because the Bible's clear. And the Lord goes, that's good. Keep striving. Keep striving, and I'll fill you, and I'll grow you, and I'll. that's the point. Yeah, now taking a little bit of a branch uh, off of this limb, I would say, <laughs> don't cut it. Don't cut it while I'm out here, <laughs> no, buddy. No, no, no. I'm not gonna cut it. I, I actually want you to dig a little deeper there okay. because that whole uh, idea of contriting that, that word that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, there are times where you know even I would feel bad for the sin that I committed. Yeah. Because I got caught. Yep, that's you it. Know, because of that. But is that what that is actually talking about? Is it talking about feeling bad because of the consequence? No. What is it talking about? Yeah, so um, a true conviction. So there's 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 a couple things that are being kind of melted together here, which are, it's, it happens, but uh, just for clarity's sake, let's pull some out. So let's talk about conviction of sin, right, and how the Holy Spirit uses that to, confront us when we sin Mm -hmm. and then the brokenness over our sin those are two different things so i can be convicted of sin and not respond to it that's rejecting the holy spirit that's sinning that's turning away that's Mm -hmm. hardening my heart searing all of those things conviction right is is that internal admission in my heart where i know i've done wrong right Mm -hmm. where the holy spirit who is the ultimate you know judge in the sense of in my heart as a believer who uh, brings out the reality of sin, righteousness, and judgment and shows me, mm-hmm. yeah, you lack righteousness, you need judgment because you're in sin. Mm-hmm. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's mm-hmm. an amazing ministry that is one of the greatest blessings of our life that we don't think of enough, mm-hmm. right? Now, of course, he does that with the world, but he does that most assuredly with believers because he lives within us. He's Our bodies are the temple, his temple, and what a blessing that is. 
But uh, it's one thing to have conviction; it's another thing to be broken over it, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's a that's a that's a whole other level. So, I, conviction is just the recognition, which is the first step where I can be sad mm-hmm. because I've recognized it. But the key is the motive. The key is the perspective. Like you said, I can be sad over my sin because I was caught, because I no longer get it, mm-hmm. right? So now that my sin has come out, either internally or externally, I know I can't do that anymore. I know I won't get that pleasure anymore. That's that's a, uh, that's a conviction that has turned to self-pity. Mm-hmm. That's a conviction that has turned to prideful uh, sadness because my point of brokenness isn't that I've sinned or that I've sinned against God. It's that my sin now has taken away that which I count as most pleasurable. Mm-hmm. So it's the brokenness of an idolatrous heart, not a biblical brokenness, but a selfish brokenness mm-hmm. that says that which I want, which is whatever pleasure, whatever it is, I can't get anymore, and that makes me sad. So I cry crocodile tears, and I've seen this, and we've all done it, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like you're weeping, and and you're you're really not sad. And this is how you can tell, right? This is how you can tell is when you evaluate your heart, and you you see what the focus is. Is the focus? This is huge. Is the focus that I've sinned against God, or is the focus that I've lost my pleasure, mm. right? And so, uh, and so if it's, I've lost my pleasure, then you have to drill down even deeper and see what's the, what is the pleasure? Is the pleasure idolatry? Mm-hmm. Right. And if it's, even if it stays there as I've lost my pleasure, then that, that whatever that was may not be sinful in itself, but it has become sinful in that it's become an idol. This happens a lot with, um, um, sadly, a major issue in the church is uh, immorality, mm-hmm. whether it's pornography, whether it's actual uh, infidelity, whether it's all kinds of ways in which this happens now. And pastors lose their position, mm-hmm. lose their title, and they're just broken. But they're not broken over the fact that, and again, I'm using this generally, I don't, yeah, but I, right. I've had to deal with this. Uh-huh. And I, so they're not broken over the fact that they've sinned against God. They're broken over the fact that they've lost their life. Mm-hmm. Their their life was wrapped up into who they were in their title, mm-hmm. not who they are, who they were supposed to be as a child of God. That's not brokenness at all. That's uh, that's what's called in first in Second Corinthians seven worldly sorrow. It's a sorrow because you're sad, mm-hmm. but it's worldly. And First Corinthians seven, Paul says that leads to death, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not a brokenness that leads to humility and true repentance. It's a brokenness that leads to ultimately death, meaning you're, the death that that sin's going to bring and the death that you ultimately bring upon yourself as you continue to pursue those idolatrous pleasures. And the perfect example of that is um, Judas. He had a sorrow. Mm-hmm. He threw the money back mm-hmm. in. He wept. He was sad. He did. He even, he even admitted Again, he, he he was convicted in the sense of he recognized what he did. He said, I have sinned against innocent blood. Yeah. So, I mean, he had he had the right recognition. He had the, even the admission. I've always said admission is not the same thing as confession, mm-hmm. right? He admitted it, but he did not confess. Confession is, is saying the same thing back to God that God says about your sin, right? Mm-hmm. And that's biblical confession, which is the doorway to biblical repentance. And so, and that's so a good, that's a good uh, thought. It's uh, admitting and confessing It's admitting is like, yeah, I did that. Yes. Or confessing and confessing would be 
God, this is what I've done, and yes. I recognize that I'm a sinner yeah. for doing that. Yeah, well, it, it, if again, the the word in 1 John 1, 9 used for confession is homologeo, and it literally means to say the same thing back to God that God says about your sin, mm. right? So in the context, it's talking about sin. And so if if I've sinned, like, you know, if I'm, if I'm prideful, well, then I'm looking at my heart, and I'm evaluating it, and I'm confessing over that. And it's not like, Lord, forgive me for the sin of pride. It's like, oh, Lord, I recognize that I have worship, I'm worshiping myself, hmm. that this is driven by an idolatrous heart that's finding greater pleasure in the praise of myself and then the praise that others give to me rather than in praising you mm-hmm. how dare i would ever you know that's that's talking back to because that's what his word says mm-hmm. so you're not you're not like somehow become like some sort of monkish great confessor all you're saying is scripture that's all i i just repeated scripture mm-hmm. over and over and then that reality of not just repeating what scripture says about your sin this is the big one and this is the one that gets missed and yet is, I think, massive when it comes to maturity and evaluating these things. And it's, you can tell, you can evaluate your heart and you can tell your heart is maturing when it becomes this, that you're not even, it's not so much brokenness over your sin. That's, that's immature. That's what children do. And that's a, that's a starting place. Those are, that's training wheels. And we all start there and we all grow through that. But the Bible ultimately says sin is, is evil of all evils because, not because it's sin, but because it's sin against God. Hmm. So when you reach a point where you are evaluating your sin as cosmic treason, evaluating your sin as against a holy God, that you are broken not over the fact that you've sinned and you're not who you want to be, you're not who you should be, which is all good things to have, Mm -hmm. but you're broken over the fact that you have rejected the God of all the earth, the one who has been um, unbelievably gracious and merciful in your life, and you have spit in his eye to do whatever. Now now you're becoming, and you're in that that sphere of the contrite, broken heart. Mm -hmm. That's what David demonstrates in Psalm 51 mm-hmm. right from the very beginning mm-hmm. against you and you alone have I sinned mm-hmm. that's what uh but see we don't have to we don't have to wait we don't have to wait until we sin to have the broken and contrite heart so so like in Isaiah 66 2 which is my life verse where uh Isaiah says this is the one to whom I will look he who is broken and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word he's not talking about there in, in necessarily in response to sin though that reality comes up throughout scripture he's talking about this is the man th- this man lives this way mm-hmm. and and that is so important because that protects you from sin right and a good example of that is uh uh, Genesis, what is it, 39, 38 with uh, Joseph, Joseph yeah. right? And when Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, who the Bible describes as, a, as an attractive woman, and she was hot to trot after Joseph, and she would not let him down, and that temptation was hounding him day after day, week after week, to the point where she finally grabs him and by all accounts is going to molest him, mm-hmm. right? I mean, pull him in to do something he doesn't want to do, mm-hmm. which is abuse and molestation, what is it? What is it that protects him? What is it that ultimately 
um, in every way elevates him to be the godly man that every man should follow in that sense. It's what? That I should not sin against God? That I should not do this great wickedness in the sight of my God? Mm-hmm. He understood that it was more than just sin. It was sin against God. And mm-hmm. that's the evil of evils. And that's when, you, when, you're, when you're at a point where you start seeing sin as that, that, again, we're all, we're all growing, but that's, that's the biblical mature man. Mm-hmm. And what happens then? Then every sin, small, white, white lie, you know, little sins, respectable sins, which there are none of those, yet we categorize them, yet they all, they all take on then the right perspective because mm-hmm. they're all again against God. Okay, so now I'm going to take five minutes or you know, just pause for a second, five minutes. You actually mentioned a couple of books that we should probably read. So I'm going to actually put that book recommendation was, right here. I was thinking about when I was talking, I was like, oh, man, this is this is going to be Wednesday night's class <laughs> yeah. in some ways. Yeah. So two, I haven't written the notes yet, but I know that's where I'm going. Yeah. So two books you just mentioned, uh, The Respectable Sins. What's the author's name? Jerry Bridges. Jerry Bridges, Respectable Sins. Yep. Um, I think our women right did a, uh, yeah, I think our women did a, a class on they're that. St- or, yeah, they're still studying. going through. They got cut off with coronavirus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And another one you mentioned was. Um, Evil of Evils. Evil of Evils. Yep. Who is that? That is. Um, it's oh, a Puritan. Yeah. yeah uh, Jeremiah Burroughs. Jeremiah Burroughs. Yeah, yeah. The Evil of Evils. Yep. Another. Yeah. There, there's a whole, there's a whole list. I could go on literally for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. There's so many good books, Puritan books, mostly not not books today, but Puritan books on sin that are just just so good, mm-hmm. so good. John's John Owen's book, Mortification of Sins, classic. John mm-hmm. Owen's book, Temptation, classic. Um, Thomas uh, Thomas Watson's uh, book on killing sin, classic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, I mean it's trust me. There's a it's good. It's good. There's a there's a there's a number of really really good uh, really good books on that, which is huge. The Puritans had a had a far better uh, perspective on the severity of sin because why? Because they had a far better understanding of the holiness of God. Hmm. So we deal with uh, we deal with such a diminished view of God that it has utterly almost and i use that because that's a grace of god almost destroyed our our martyology our our understanding of sin hmm. so because when you minimize god and you pull him down then all the other doctrines go with it so christ is minimized everything's minimized but something has to replace god and of course in our world it's what man mm-hmm. even in our christian Self. world so man goes up god comes down well then where's sin in this well, sin has is in direct proportion to God always. That's what makes sin so evil. Mm-hmm. Sin is evil in and of itself, but it's the evil of all evils because it's against a holy God. Well, if God comes down, then sin comes down. Mm-hmm. Sin's not really that bad, mm-hmm. right? Because God's not really that big. And that I just described is the evangelical world in which we live. Mm-hmm. So man is big, God is small. Sin's not really, I mean, it's it's there and we talk about it, but it's a it's kind of like this nebulous force that's out there that I just, I mean, the Bible talks about it, so I got to admit it. So it's there, but it's not really a big deal. Mm-hmm. When the Bible is clear, it is the wicked uh, wickedness of all wickedness. It is the problem of all problems. It is the pit of all pits. Hmm. Yeah, 
Wow. Whew. Okay. <laughs> let's, so let's back, go back, back from our, yeah, to the, back, yeah. So are we back on the on the tree trunk and yeah. off the limb? Yeah, yeah. Good because those limbs can be scary. Yeah. Well, it's, Especially it's, when you got the saw. <laughs> man, I'm Listen. I'm sitting here thinking like, man, we could talk about this for a while, but I want to get back to our so the our, maturity. Yeah, the maturity, yeah, which is subject. good. I'm glad. I'm so glad you brought that up. So, so back to the the guy who desires, who has that desire, and even that broken, contrite heart. Um, so all those things I've said, evaluating your heart, making sure it's not a, a covering of sin and a, and a prideful self-pity and all of those things, then, then it's, it's looking to Christ, right? Because that's the other thing you have to watch. So because, again, you got to know your heart. Our hearts are the proclivity. That means the natural bent, to put it in tech, in tech techno terms the hard drive of my heart right Mm -hmm. is the default mode of my heart is constantly legalism is constantly selfish is constantly self-infatuation so as as i'm pursuing maturity or desiring maturity if i don't flood that desire with christ guess what fills it self Mm -hmm. so i develop a system of maturity i develop works this is where all works based righteousness comes out of and it can come out of a pure motive so many of the sins we commit are driven by initially a motive that is genuinely meaning genuine as much as we can understand our hearts and we can't understand them fully because they're utterly deceived by way of our sinful nature and yet i can i can't initially see any of that that's david when he wants to bring the ark of the covenant back to israel i mean he had a pure motive he wanted the ark in the in Jerusalem where it should be mm-hmm. and yet in his pure motive he went about it all the wrong way right. and created disaster and we can do that all the time and we do so you can have a desire to mature and grow and you're commanded to and you should yet if you're not careful that that rightful desire can turn into a sinful lust of wanting something the wrong way and so now I develop this categories of evaluation and these pursuits that make me feel good, that make me look good. So I'm doing all these things to check off the boxes, and now I'm, now I'm appeasing my heart again. Again, it goes back to letting the Lord afflict our hearts through his word and letting the Lord comfort our hearts through his word, not through other people, not through man-made rules, not through any other uh, device I may, I may design, only through walking with Christ, abiding with Christ, saturating my life with Christ, becoming more like Christ. That's how that is, because you can't look at Christ and yourself at the same time. Mm-hmm. So this is what I've talked about in like our men's Bible study, where it's godliness by a list or godliness by the Lord. Godliness by the list will end in pride, selfishness, arrogance, and more sin. Mm-hmm. Godliness by, the, by focusing on the Lord will do what? It will fulfill the list of all the things God commands us to pursue, and there are many which form a list, but you'll pursue those in what? Brokenness, humility, and joy. Why? Because as you keep looking to Christ, you never attain. I'm never going to make it. So there's a sense in which that protects me from reaching apathy, lethargy, laziness, or pride. Mm -hmm. The list, I I can quickly attain that. Why? Because I get to define what's on the list. I get to write what it means to be humble and all the. But if I look at Christ, man, I'm never going to match up to him. Mm -hmm. And that's good because it protects me from pride. But it it also motivates me 
right, to keep going. And that's what Paul said. I have not attained, so but I'm not defeated because I've, I've come a long way already, which shows me God is at work within me. The fact that I'm desiring more of him, even though I have him, that's what Paul says. I've been grabbed by Christ, and now I want more of him. So it's an encouraging thing, and then it's a, it's a joy-filled thing because I know Christ has grabbed me, and now I'm grabbing him by his grace, and that encourages me, and that's the, that's the fight for maturity, and that's where we go, and that's how we run, and then we help one another do that. Mm-hmm. I think you, you said the list, uh, list or Lord, the list constantly changes because we because totally. <laughs> it's we like redefine we it, it we remake yeah, it all we, day long yeah and, we, we, we'll and whatever makes standards. me look good i add yep. it to the list uh-huh we lower the standards so yep. that we can achieve it and, yep you know it's like well i did more than what my list did but yep. god has a yeah that's that's really good the lord the lord is the he, he is the divine rule the divine standard the divine plumb bob like he never changes it never moves he's our gauge mm-hmm. and why that is is not because we can never attain that because that sounds negative though that's true it's that's what god is moving us towards mm-hmm. right so what you always want to do and again this is this is so profoundly pedestrian meaning simple and yet this is foundational to the faithful maturing man is the more you can take your life and align it with God's will. That is the, that is the, the chemical mixture of maturity. Mm. God's will is clear, unchanging, all-powerful, meaning his word is clear. This is what he wants for us. This is what he's designed for us. This is what he's doing. My life is floating over here. It's a disaster apart from Christ, right? So, But the more that I'm fighting sin and pulling rightfully pushing, running my life back over under God's will. When those two come together, God's purpose and my pursuits, that then equals the joy-filled, Christ-centered life Mm -hmm. that's marked by utter satisfaction. That's where true joy is found. When God's will has become my passion and pursuit, now I am running the way God has called me to run, and I'm running the direction God has called me to, to run, and the answer and the the simple, concise answer to that is I'm running Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ is the answer. He is the purpose. He is the goal that God has for us. He's going to make us like Christ, so why would I not want to know more of Christ, grow in Christ? That is the means mm-hmm. by which God will mature me. He's going to mature me, and the means is he's going to make me like Christ. So therefore, he commands me to what? Go after Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, he's going to do it, but he's going to do it through me f- obeying his command. So the more I line myself up with that and consume my life with that, the more I'm walking with the Lord, and there, the result of that is joy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's difficulty because i got to deal with more sin. Mm-hmm. The more I'm with Christ, the more I sinful I am, so it mm-hmm. hurts. But the end result is joy, the joy of obedience, and there is no greater satisfaction than that. You made a mention in your last sermon uh, the this psalm uh what is it called i don't know where it is you just mentioned it but i know it's a scripture that i've heard a lot um delight yourself in the lord and the lord and he will give you the The desires of your heart absolutely and uh i i thought it through and i'm and i was thinking of how this sermon you kind (laughs) of 
don't take this offensively, yeah. but you kind of jump back and forth sometimes between like like kind of like Martin Lloyd Jones between you know being <laughs> Calvinistic and being a, an Armenian. And, and I was like, I was like, oh man, that's a that's one of those you know word of faith scriptures. But then I thought it through, and it's like you know what. The desires of your heart change. Amen. The deeper you that's, get into scripture, that's a mature answer right there. Yeah, and I was like, because you know what? My 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 desires of my heart used to be I wanted to be able to have the a certain number of you know a, a certain dollar amount in, in there, and because I tithe, I feel like I should have that. Like exactly. that was my mindset. Yep. And it's like I should have this, I should have that, but my desires of my heart have now become. You know, what is the legacy I'm leaving for my children? Am I leading them towards Christ? Am I washing my wife in the word of Christ? Those are the desires of my heart. So, okay, delight yourself in in the law of the Lord. Yep. And, you know, know, he will change your desires. He changes the desires. So that your desires become Mm -hmm. his desires and Mm -hmm. he will always give you his desires. Yeah. So that's, that's the mature response. That's the the level of discipleship that is happening in your life, which is awesome mm-hmm. because that's it. That it's, it's, it's understanding our desires are so self-centered and so wrong. And yet the word of God changes those desires because that's what the spirit of God does within us. That's the new heart that's, that's, that we've been given by God, which is speaking of those desires, those passions, those motivations, those pursuits, they come from him and they are constantly uh, fighting, warring, Galatians 5, against those old desires. Mm-hmm. But the more I delight in those new desires from God's word and align my life with those, Romans 12, 1 and 2, then my heart is filled. He's given them to me because mm-hmm. I've already been given them in Christ. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the pursuit of Christ, which is a joy because I realize as I grow in Christ, all that I already have. Because technically, I lack nothing. He's already given me mm-hmm. the desires of my heart because he's given me Christ. And in Christ, I have everything. But my, but I'm so immature and, and pedestrian and selfish that I, that I don't understand that as I should. So then my life is growing in that more and more. And the more I understand that, the more joy I get, the less I cling to the world mm-hmm. and the temporal things, and the more I cling to Christ. And that is the essence of maturity. Yeah. yeah. I I think this would be kind of like a tease for a future uh, podcast because when you begin to talk about desires, uh, one of the things that my brain always goes to is contentment. Yes. And the reason behind that is because it's like, you know, I desire this, I desire that. It's like, wait a minute, what you already have, is that enough? Yeah. You know, are you seeking more things in your life because you want more things yes or are you seeking christ and desiring christ because you want more christ yeah totally you know totally absolutely gratitude is the is the ultimate uh kill for for discontentment mm -hmm. right being being thankful for what you have Mm -hmm. that destroys discontentment Um, but there is i call it a holy discontentment Right. And the Bible is clear about that. And Philippians three, Paul says, I want more. I want Christ. I don't I don't have him. I haven't attained. And so there is a sense in which we 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 are content with who we what we have materially. So looking at our temporal world, we should be content. We should be content with all that we have and thankful and doesn't mean we can't save and try to advance and those things are that the Bible's clear and Proverbs in particular speaks very highly of that right that mm-hmm. we save and and grow and invest and wise and there's nothing wrong with that even New Testament speaks of that mm-hmm. yet those shouldn't be my source of 
joy, right? Shouldn't be my source of contentment, peace, satisfaction. Christ should be that, mm-hmm. right? And I'm doing these other things just because that's what it means to be a wise man, a godly man, a faithful man, a prudent man, all the, all of those things. But um, but when it comes to Christ, goes back, this circles all the way back to the beginning. This is good. Mm-hmm. When it comes to maturity, there should be a sense in which I've got a holy discontentment where I'm Moses on the mountain. I've spent 40 days and 40 nights with God. No food, no water, no sleep, nothing but the glory of God, listening to him talk, listening to him speak, writing, literally him writing with his own finger, the law of God on the tablets. And I get done that, and I'm like, I'm glad that's done. I can't wait to go home. No, Moses grabs God, figuratively I'm speaking here, by the lapel and says, show me more. Mm-hmm. That's a holy discontentment, mm-hmm. right? And right. That's, that's, that's that. Now, if that's the drive of that desire to mature, now we're talking the biblical man that pleases the Lord. Yeah. Thank you all for tuning in to Matt Shepard's buddy. <laughs> hey, Matt, Matt oh, you could say Matt Biblically Counsels buddy. No. Whatever whatever the title Honestly, of the, the podcast you wanted to be. Listen, no, no, for real. For real. Let's I think it's good to say this. Yeah, I mean I get what you're saying and it's fun, but I've told you from the beginning and I'm not hiding it that the, the whole reason, you know, you and I are doing this. We want to shepherd our people in the sense of I want to get truth out and you want to encourage and help our people and mm-hmm. your ministry is such a blessing. But I've told you from the beginning that my philosophy is this is me discipling you. This is your pastor pouring mm-hmm. into you nonstop, and that's why I never turned down a chance for us to do this. Mm-hmm. Whether it goes out in the airways and impacts others, I hope it does and I want it to. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, this is this is one discipler to another disciple trying to be faithful and fulfill what we're commanded to do. And so don't look at that as a negative thing. That's a positive. That's biblically what we're supposed to be doing nonstop. So oh, oh, I is, don't take it as negative This is a at all. joy for me yeah, as much as good. it is for you because I'm getting to fulfill my calling mm-hmm. as a believer to disciple uh, a man who desires to grow and who has demonstrated faithfulness and who is worthy of that, as Second as Timothy 2, 2 says. And this is what the church is all about. This is my life. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm just as excited as you are to well, see you growing. Abs- well, I'm excited that most of our conversations are recorded, so I can listen <laughs> back to them. <laughs> I literally, like, I look at, like, you know, I look at, like, the statistics for the podcast and everything, and, you know, it's... I, I like the fact that one of those listens is definitely my listen because I literally and, you know, at first it was kind of like, you know, just because when I listen, when I edit, I listen for mistakes and yeah. I try to correct that, try to edit it, you know, yeah. all those things. But when I'm like out on my walk and, you know, like driving in the car, I'm listening to our podcast because I'm like, I don't remember what he said that day or I need to be reminded of what was said well. because it's it's for me is extremely extremely helpful and it it makes it helps me to you know one not just you know put a new perspective on life that sounds so you know worldly but it literally drives me to scripture to to see more and then i love it how you will say you know three or four scriptures it's like you'll say this and then you know the second time this the first time this and then you, you do that and it's like okay now i can slow it down 
yeah. write down their scripture and yep. look at it because for me, like you were mentioning in your last sermon, yeah. uh, you know, people ask you for the transcript and I'm like, yeah, like that is extremely helpful because it's not just you saying this from your wisdom. No, you got to look it up. You're pushing, you're pushing the scripture towards us to say, yep. this is what the scripture says, not what I've said. Amen. So, yeah. and, and discipleship, true discipleship at the end of the day, isn't reading a book together, though it could involve that. And it isn't, you know, going through a checklist or a check sheet or a worksheet. And it could involve that. Mm-hmm. True discipleship at the end of the day is word driven. Yeah. It's getting somebody else in the word, mm-hmm. walking them through the word so that the word gets in them. Yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. That's why we're, that's why this is called the truth talks, right? Because mm-hmm. why? The truth lives mm-hmm. and the truth changes, right? It's mm-hmm. all about that. And we're to be truth driven people. Mm-hmm. Right, we're people of the truth, and uh, that's what it's all about. Let me uh, make sure I clarify what you just said. The truth is unchanging, unchanging, but it changes people. Absolutely, because I don't want people to mishear you. Oh no, no, the truth changes the person. Yeah, the truth changes the, the person. The truth never yeah. changes. Thank you for clarifying that. The truth is is uh, living and active and sharper than mm-hmm. any double edged sword. Right, the truth never changes. It's immutable because it's from God who is immutable and mm-hmm. therefore it takes on the character of God. Therefore it's all powerful, all sovereign, all sufficient. And so absolutely. But it is the truth that changes our lives. It mm-hmm. is the truth. That's what Jesus Christ said when he prayed to the father in John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them. What? In truth. That's it. Your it's, word is true. Absolutely. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what, uh, Psalms, Psalm 19, uh, seven to 11 is probably one of the best, clearest passages in the Bible where it talks about what the truth makes the wise simple, it makes the simple wise, mm-hmm. right? It takes the full broken hearted and what comforts the heart, mm-hmm. right? It, I mean, and then of course, second, uh, Timothy three, uh, 16, right. And, uh, this goes, here we go. It's a good wrap up for your point. It's the word of God that will make you wise unto salvation. That's mm-hmm. what Paul told Timothy. And then what it's the word of God that exhorts rebukes, confronts, teaches what? So that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. And you know what that means? What's that? Mature. Hmm. That's good. There is no maturity without the word of God. Mm -hmm. So I can talk all day long about things. And if I'm not pointing you to the word and you're not actually going to the word Mm -hmm. and putting it in your heart, then it's of no value. It mm-hmm. will have temporal value, mm-hmm. but it will have no eternal value, and it won't change your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the Word starts working, real life changes, right? Mm-hmm. That's salvation and sanctification. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Take the Word out of the equation, we got nothing. It's, it's, trying to, it's like kind of trying to put lotion on your hands with gloves on. It doesn't work. It <laughs> doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't penetrate anything. Nope. Nope, yeah. have no effect. Mm-hmm. Might smell, might smell good for a little while, yeah, depending just, on if you're using your wife's lotion. <laughs> <laughs> I make, I make my my moisturizer. I, See, I might give you all the the uh, the, the recipe later, but yeah, I, I make it because my skin is so dry. A lot of times, I have to make it and make it a lot stronger. There you go. So yeah, you making hand sanitizer. Uh, I did not make hand sanitizer. I actually, like, you know, you might be a wealthy man if you if you start making that around here, man. That's like, well, is, you know, it's just like alcohol and aloe vera. But the thing about it is, I had already invested in a large container of hand sanitizer, yep. and I also just get the big bulk thing of of hand soap. So yeah, and refill. 
is I'm I'm constantly trying to learn my children to to wash their hands. It's like, look, you gotta wash your hands. You gotta wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. So the the hand sanitizer. Beverly doesn't like hand sanitizer, so I get that all to myself. There you go. But she has been using it. I put uh, I put essential oils in my hand sanitizer just to make it smell better because I go. hate the smell of that stuff. Yeah, alcohol. So yeah, it's just so I, I went to a place and got big old thing of hand sanitizer like well before this pandemic and i put some essential oils in it so when i was at the office literally people would come into my office to use my hand sanitizer because it, so it smelled better than everybody else's i'm like look you can do this too let me equip you <laughs> to go and and show you how to do this a little better but it's cool they come in my office they talk a little bit you know so it's fun but yeah uh <laughs> We we will talk about those things later. <laughs> Recipes on uh, hands, sanitizers, and moisturizers. But I appreciate you all tuning in, um, and I'm grateful that you all have taken the time out of your day to listen. And we will be back next time. I think I did give you just a little bit of a teaser because what I'm actually doing is just like, just kind of like having Matt define words according to scripture, which. It's beneficial to all of us, not just because of the fact that um, it gives us clarity on things, but also allows us to just take the time to dig deeper on certain issues and certain things that so we definitely need to uh, look at. I so, did that in the sermon today. Did you see how much time I spent on defining miracle? Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's huge. How many yeah. people use the word miracle? And we all do, I think, way too much, but we all are are prone to it loosely right oh, that was a miracle well, was that really a miracle no but i have the, a lot of friends yes. named miracle yes because, the, the charismatic the uh-huh. charismatic chaos has has uh derailed and uh redefined that word to where it basically doesn't mean anything yeah it's just it's, it's just so another sad. word That's, like the word awesome yes like awesome is used in scripture a lot all is yeah. used in scripture a lot yeah. and it and it's always directed towards god's amazing power right and judgment and, and holiness and now it's just now pretty much a pizza uh, yeah that was yeah. an awesome pizza <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. We are so far removed from from how scripture uses that word. Yeah. And now that's why I spent so much time defining miracle this morning because words matter. Yeah, they do. They we got to recapture them. Yep. Thank you all for tuning in. And now here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, my name is Kelly Ball. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ in French. Uh, salut tout le monde. Uh, mon nom c'est Kelly et je veux vous présenter l'évangile de Jésus-Christ en français. L'évangile biblique commence avec Dieu. De rien, Dieu créa toutes choses, y compris vous et moi, pour lui faire plaisir. Son objectif pour nous, l'humanité, était d'aimer, obéir et de se réjouir parfaitement de lui. Au lieu de ceci, l'homme pécha contre notre créateur d'amour et se comporta en rebelle. Puisque Dieu est bon et juste, il doit punir le péché qui mérite un punissement conscient et éternel en enfer sur sa colère. Mais Dieu, étant rempli de pitié, d'amour et de grâce, avait un plan de punir le péché pour ainsi être un juste juste. Mais il a pardonné les pécheurs et a ainsi montré la pitié. En envoyant son propre fils, Jésus-Christ, son propre égal et son enfant éternel pour prendre la chair humaine. 
remplissant ainsi sa parfaite demande à la place des pécheurs, en aimant, obéissant et jouissant parfaitement de lui. En plus, Jésus porta la totale colère de Dieu sur la croix en satisfaisant la colère éternelle de Dieu, prenant ainsi la place des pécheurs, même comme il était lui-même parfait sans péché. Dieu montra son acceptance du sacrifice de Jésus en le ressuscitant des morts dans la tombe le troisième jour. Maintenant, Jésus commande le monde de partout dans le monde de se répentir, se tourner du péché et croire lui faire confiance. Ceci est l'échange glorieux. Mes chers frères et sœurs, ceci est l'échange glorieux. Dieu donc charge la perfection de Jésus-Christ au pécheur et ne le regarde plus le pécheur comme ennemi, mais comme des filles et fils adoptés couverts dans la parfaite droiture de son Fils. On peut maintenant avoir la paix avec Dieu et pour toujours avoir la vie éternelle avec lui. Ceci est pour toute personne, dans toute culture et toute langue, à tout temps. Donc, notre réponse à cette bonne nouvelle est répentance et foi. Encore notre réponse est répentance et foi. Chers écouteurs, maintenant il est temps, maintenant est le jour du salut. Tournez-vous de vos péchés, croyez au Seigneur Jésus-Christ et aujourd'hui réconciliez-vous avec Dieu. Merci pour votre attention. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal, conscious punishment under God's wrath and hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy, by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone, everywhere, to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person in every culture, in every place, in every language through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this day, be reconciled to God.
Thanks for tuning in to this. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.